Good morning, Church on the Rock. My name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm the pastor here at uh, Church on the Rock, Church on the Biggest Rock, as our friend would say. Um, we do that to just know that we're all here at attention, ready to hear from God. So I'm going to say it one more time. Um, just say it as loud as you can. Good morning, Church on the Rock. We're doing a series called, uh, Would You Rock With Us? Would You Rock With Us? Um, we're looking at membership, and this was going to be the week that we asked people to recommit if they still felt that God was leading them to be at Church on the Rock, or if they felt God was leading them to be at Church on the Rock, but we're not going to do that today. However, the message itself, it's, it's amazing how God orchestrates things. It's, it's still exactly where we need to be for uh, reasons that you'll see as we go on. I'll be honest with you, um, I'm choppy, I'm real choppy right now, so I'm just going to, I'm just, you know, this is kind of where I'm at. Uh, so just be patient with me, but nevertheless, um, God's word is enough, right? Like, you don't need a preacher, <laughs> so God's word is enough. Um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 14 through 26, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 26. Normally, I read through the entire, ver all the verses, but um, I'm just going to walk through it as we gradually get to the end, um, and there's reasons for that as well. So going off of last week, last week we looked at membership and said that all members should be spirit-led, spirit-laboring, and spirit-linked. Spirit-led meaning the reason you're here this morning is because God led you here. If you are a member of the church, it's because God led you to be a member of the church. We, we challenged everybody to rethink why they're here. If you're here because you like the preaching, if you're here because you like the singing, if you're here because you like the kids' ministry, whatever it is, if it's anything other than Christ or God himself having gripped you and placed you here, uh, we would challenge you to go back into prayer and allow us to pray with you because we want you to be a member here or to join here because you feel led by God to be here. Why? Because there's going to be a lot of things that happen in, in membership or being a part of a family that will step on your toes, that will offend you, that will make you feel ignored or neglected and all those things. And when you're ready to leave, we want to be able to go back to you and say, hey, I thought you told us that you were here because God placed you here, not because of the preaching or the singing or because the people and all that. And it, it helps to build an intimacy of um, even when things don't go the way I want them to, I'm not leaving because I feel like it's God is the reason why I'm here. And as a result of that, that would lead to spirit laboring where um, you are a believer and you, you have been baptized in obedience and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. So, so you have a shift to not only meet the needs of each other, but to meet the needs of the world. And you're going to operate in that gifting as a member of the body. Um, we are put together not just for ourselves, but to evangelize the world and bring the world to Christ. And then finally, spirit-linked. And this is kind of where we open up, is that spirit-linked. Paul says, for the body is not one member, but many. This is the spirit-linked part, because American church tends to look at a pastor and say, oh, the pastor does that. That's why we pay him, or the pastor does that because that's his, that's his job, that's his vocation. So they look at the body and say it's one member, it's just the pastor, or it's just the worship leader, or it's just whoever that is, you know, in, in the minds of people. But Paul refutes that, and he's like, all of you are linked together. It's, it's not one member, but many members make up the body. So he goes on in verse 15. And he says, if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Stop right there. Just, just think about that. If my foot, right, you put your right foot in, you put your right foot out. If my foot looked up in my hand and was like, hey, bro, I can't grab things the way that you can grab things. So I'm, I quit. <laughs> I'm not a part of the body. That, that would make no sense. Right? That would make no sense if your foot talked to your hand and said, because I don't grab things and I'm only for walking, I'm not a part of the body. But he goes on and he says in the next verse, he says, and if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body either. So the first point I have is every member is needed. Every member 
is needed. Go back to that verse that we were at, Leah. So I want you to recognize something here. This is 90% of the reason people don't serve. Not because somebody told you you weren't needed, but because you told yourself you weren't needed. Think about that. When you go to, say, a connection point, I'm a big fan of the pastors down there at Connection Point. People get in these big churches, 5,000 people, and they look around, and this is what they say. They say, oh, they have all these pastors and all these people serving. They don't need me, right? But nobody at Connection Point told them, we don't need you. They told themselves that. And even here at a smaller congregation like ourselves, about 200 people, you may look around and just see that we open the doors on Sunday. So you may say, oh... They open the doors on Sunday, the sound is working, the people are singing, they don't need me. But nobody looked at you and told you, we don't need you. You told yourself that. Think about that. This is what keeps 90% of the body from working. They, they say to themselves, it's a, it's a, it's a self-esteem thing in some cases. So, so maybe you're like, you know what, I don't know enough Bible to be needed by the church. I don't know the Bible front to back. I don't know, I can't quote scriptures like you, Rashad, so I'm not needed. That's so false. Because not everybody's meant to be the teacher, right? Not everybody's meant to be the preacher. If everybody was the preacher, what do you think Sunday morning would look like? <laughs> everybody would be trying to talk and try to be up here and doing their thing, right? Um, and then some of you, it, it's a selfish reason. It's because I want to be this although God has gifted me as this, so since I can't be what I want to be, and I can only be what God wants me to be, I'm not needed. That's another thing, where a hand who, who has been gifted to serve and to meet needs looks at the mouth, per se, and says, well, since I'm not the mouth, I'm not needed. You see, I'm trying to, like, make my hand talk to me. Like, <laughs> um, so what happens is this becomes something where you have to ask yourself, is it about your, your personal preferences and your prideful passions, or is it about his placement, right? Because he, every single one of you have been, have been given a position, a role to function within the body. Why aren't you functioning? What, what is it? What, what is, if I'm telling you right now that every last one of you who are believers are meant to be joined to a body and to actually function, What's your excuse for not functioning? And I'll tell you, we never gave you that excuse. You gave that excuse to yourself. So if you, even if you say, well, Rashad, I feel like a preacher, but there's no room for me to preach, I will go against that for this reason right here. If you consider this building the only time that we're supposed to use our gifts, then yeah. Yeah, because I ain't getting down for a little while, right? <laughs> But let me give you a Nick Mendenhall, for example. Nick has a gift to preach and teach. Since some of you saw him, you know, a couple months ago. Um, and he has a passion to preach and teach. The first thing I said, though, is because you have a gift, don't limit it to Sunday. Use your gift on another day. So what does he do? He starts a Bible study on a Tuesday because he has a gift to preach and teach. That's not just meant for inside this building. That's not just meant for Sunday morning. It's a gift of the body to reach the world. So maybe you're like, hey, I want to I I sing more, but I'm just not, you know, there to be singing. I can't do Wednesday night rehearsals. Well, where can you sing for God? You know, where, where can you use that gifting for God? In your community, in your home, in your neighborhood, where can you use that? And maybe you're like, hey, I want to preach, I want to teach, but there's no Sunday opportunities. Well, you don't need Sunday to exercise that gift. There's people all around. What are you doing at your workplace? Can you get together a Bible study and preach and teach and use the gift that God gave you there? So there's no excuse for every single believer to be attached to a body and be functioning in the area that they've been gifted in. It's when you become the holy huddle that you lose opportunities and you don't see where God could use you. It's when you think that everything we're supposed to do is just for each other inside of here. So every member is needed. Every single member is needed. Go to the next verse. So it says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, what would the sense of smell be? Once again, these are very practical things. If everybody 
was a, a teaching pastor, then who's cleaning the church? And if, and if everybody cleaned the church, then who's teaching? And so on and so on. Like, you have to understand, we need every single person that feels led to be here to actually be here for the purposes of God, not their agenda. Um, think about that. J just think about that. Do you think, like, who told you you weren't important? Who, who actually told you that you don't matter here? And if you're from another church, who told you in your church that you're not important? I, I guarantee if you've ever heard those words, you first heard them from yourself, not from us. So in verse 18, Paul says this. He says, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. Here's my second point. Every member is named. Every single member is named. In other words, you, I'm not a pastor because I went to school. I didn't even go to school. I'm not a pastor because I worked my way up and earned my way and had all these degrees and came out with my MDiv and now I'm a pastor. No, I'm a pastor because God named me a pastor. If you work in hospitality, God named you for that. If you work in music, God named you for that. Every single member has been named by God. Think about what God said to Jeremiah. I knew you before I formed you in the womb and set you apart for a specific purpose. Think about that. So before, before your mama and your daddy laid down on PG-13, before your mama and your daddy laid down and, 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 and made you, God had already knew you and knew what he wanted you to do and knew that he had a purpose for you in a specific body, in a specific season. How can you imagine that? Before you were in your mother's womb, God had a plan for you. He had a purpose for you. You, you had a name in the body, and if you feel led here, then he, he's already thought about that for you. He, he says, before you were born, I knew you, and it set you apart for something. I actually set you apart for something, and, and we sit here and say, I'm not needed. I'm not necessary. Why? When God says, you were so necessary that I planned it out for you before you were even born. That, that, that should rattle us a little bit, and that should make us think, well, then why am I not serving? Why am I not a part? Some of us aren't even a part of a, of a church family, right? And there's, no, there's just no excuse across the board of why you wouldn't take the gifts that God has given you and use them for each other and use them for others as often as possible. So every member is named. Go back to that verse, it's 18. Go back to 18 there. He says, um, in verse 18, he says, but now God has designated, that word place is the same as designated or set. He has designated the members, each one of them in the body as he desired. So it's not about your passions as much as it is about his priority. Does that make sense? I, I love singing. I love to sing in the shower, right? I have no business being up here singing next to Ty. And even when I was in show choir, whenever I sang next to a strong singer, it, it got bad. I'd be trying to follow her. Ah, ah, ah. It's like, oh, what happened? They was like, Rashad, just dance. Just dance. <laughs> Don't sing. <laughs> I, but I have a desire and a passion to sing. Doesn't mean that's my place, right? That takes humility. When you come in here and you have an agenda of why you're here based on your agenda. Have you ever thought about joining a church and just saying, God, what do you want? You've brought me here because I feel like I was led here by the Spirit. So how do you want me to labor here? I know what I want to do, and I know what I don't want to do. Nevertheless, let your will be done. Isn't that what Jesus said in the garden? Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, let thy will be done, right? Have you ever thought to approach ministry and church membership and church family that way? Because it, it'll change the way we operate. It'll change the way we love each other. 
It'll change the way we go hard for one another. So know that every member is not only needed, but every single member has been named. You have been named something. You should pursue trying to find out what that is in this season because it'll change. At one point, I was strictly set up in teardown. I know that's what God needed from me. And then at another point, I was strictly a youth teacher. That's just what God needed from me. And now here I am in another season of my life, and I'm a pastor. And you know what? No human education got me here. It was strictly God operating and maneuvering the way he does to put me in the position I'm in now. So that leads to our next point. Go to the next point, Leah. Every member is necessary. So um, go back to uh, 19, 1 Corinthians 12, 19. It says, um, if they were all one member, where would the body be? Keep going. And then it says, but now there are many members, but one body. So he reminds us that. And then he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. This is where leaders, uh, mainly leaders, all church members do this sometimes, but mainly leaders, this is what they do. They're in a position and they have a vision or they have a way they want to do something. They have a strategy or whatnot. But when it's not done the way they want it done, then they look at the member who's not doing it 100% the way they want it done and say, I have no need for you. So this is the other end of the spectrum. One, one end of the spectrum says, I'm not needed, right? Because I don't have this skill or that skill or because this is what I want to do and there's not a place for me to do it, all those things. But then the other end of the spectrum is over here and it says, I don't need you. And that's, for those of you who feel that way, for those of you who, who may look down on people, uh, Paul says every member is necessary. This would also be for the ones who complain about somebody who's in a position God has put them in. You get this all the time in church family. Somebody will feel led to a church where God has already put somebody in a position and they'll talk down about that person who's in that position because they're not doing it the way they would have done it if they were in that position. Think about this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. See, the eye, this is where we mess up. The eye sometimes looks at the hand and wants it to grab the iPad, right? So I'm trying to, like, illustrate this. The, the eye looks and says, I want to grab the iPad. But because the eye wants to do it the way an eye would do it, which doesn't even make sense, <laughs> right? But the eye wants to do it the way the eye would do it. So if the, if the hand does it like this, the eye's not satisfied and says, you know what? Put it down. I have no need for you. I'll do it myself. And, and then we get frustrated because this is... <laughs> this is what we're trying to do. But this is what happens in the body. This is what happens in the body. The, the, the pastor or the ministry leader will say, I need this done. And then we'll release the hands to do it, but the hands won't do it the way that we would have done it if we did it. So we say, you know what? Get out the way. I'll do it myself. Then we complain that the mouth was trying to pick up the iPad that was for the hands to do, Right? So we say, you know what, I have no need for you. And it, it's so painful because every member is necessary. So moving, moving to the next verse, he says, on the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Think about that. Uh, we have a brother here, Justin Borgelin. All he does is help people park their cars, and he smiles when he does it. If you think that he is any less of a part of this body than the pastor, this is where you're at. You've missed the point. I'm telling you, back when we had one service, if people ain't out there helping park the cars, we got some accidents. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that serious? And, and, and some of you work in the, in, the, in the cleaning ministry. Nobody knows when you come in here to clean. But if this place ain't clean, I guarantee you some people walking out. You're necessary. And maybe, maybe this is where it kind of goes back to the very first part where the hand looks at the eye and says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not necessary. Maybe you're in one of the ministries that the world calls lesser, right? The world says, oh, cleaning ministry, that's not a big deal. You, <laughs> you don't have to give it all for that. Just kind of come in and sweep a floor a little bit. And, uh, no. Give it everything you have because it's necessary. If you're greeting people at the door, smile as big as you can smile because it's necessary. If you're just straightening up chairs or if you're passing out offering or what, all of it is necessary for the body to function. But not only that, 
it's necessary outside of this building as well. This is how we reach the world. This is how we change the world. We take this gifting that we have and we go beyond right here in this building. We're, all, we're only meeting each other's needs and we go out and say, we are necessary for those who don't know Christ. So he says, even those members which, look at that word, seem, appear. This is what, it's us who are saying this. It's not God. God doesn't look and say, that ministry is less than that ministry and that ministry is less. God doesn't say that. This is an us thing. We say, oh, that ministry doesn't seem as important as this ministry because they're not doing X, Y, Z. But that's not how God sees it, and that's not how Paul saw it. He said, even those members of the body which seem to be weaker, they're necessary. We need you. We need you. Yeah, I told you guys last week, David prays with me, and nobody knows about it. And I need that prayer week to week. I need it. So, so keep going. It says, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, and those we are, are on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. So this is looking in the area of, um, once again, PG-13, we're talking about the body, the genitalia-type areas, like the areas that should be covered up. <laughs> um, I said she's not here, so I'm not going to embarrass her this time. But we have a member here, we have, we have a person here who serves, and her name's Cindy. And a lot of people don't know Cindy because Cindy's very, like, her personality is just kind of like, I'm not really one to be up front and in front of people. That's not my ministry, but I want to serve. And I'm really good at, like, printing stuff off. So she prints our bulletins. And nobody knows who prints the bulletins, but she does it. And we protect her. We cover her. But yet we encourage her and say thank you and deem her honorable because it's so important to get that information out to people. It, it adds a piece to Church on the Rock that we didn't have two years ago because there was nobody there to do the function. Everybody else was doing other things. And, and that would be an example of somebody that, that we deem less honorable. Once again, God doesn't. We deem less honorable. But on these we're supposed to bestow more abundant honor. The ones behind the scenes, the ones who don't get any of the notoriety, those are the ones we need to be encouraging and praising and thank you for what you do behind the scenes. Why? Keep going to the next verse. Because whereas the much more presentable members have no need for it. I, I Thank you for encouraging me. I sincerely appreciate it. I don't need it. I don't need it as much as the ones who are, who are slaving behind the scenes for this ministry. This is one of the areas where um, one of the tough things me and Jason go through. I'm the one that's up here every Sunday morning. I'm the one preaching, teaching all Sundays, and for the most part, out in the community and all that. But Jason pastors behind the scenes in a way that nobody even realizes. And yet, I get more praise and honor than Jason does behind the scenes for all the things that he does. It's because of verses like this right here, because we're ignoring them. You, you know, people say, well, I don't see Jason up there teaching all the time, and half of us won't even go serve in the children's ministry to see what he does back there. The other half of us won't be here at midnight to watch him put together floats and stuff by himself so that we can have a Christmas parade. We don't see these things. So we, we praise the guy that preaches on Sunday, but say nothing to the guy that slaves every single week for this church just as hard, if not harder, than I do. You know? We, we praise, and this is not against you, Ty, but we praise the worship singer, but we say nothing to the cleaning ministry. You know what I mean? We, we amen on that gospel, but say nothing to the person flipping the slides or the person on the soundboard. We, we don't give them the praise. Because I get enough, and honestly, it's not even good for me sometimes, you know? My head big enough, right? <laughs> but, 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 hush. <laughs> Told y'all, no talking during the sermon. <laughs> but, but this is where, like, this is where you also, this is, this is where you love the pastor's wives, right? They're the ones that nobody sees. They're the ones that don't have all the relationships. Why? Because... We're the loud mouths that are in front of everybody. But there's somebody behind the scenes making that thing work. And maybe, maybe you work in a job right now where you work hard and you get no credit. The body is supposed to look different than the world. That's how the world operates, right? 
you got all these people working hard, and it's the CEO of this and the CEO of that that gets all the praise. But this is not supposed to be a business. I'm not, I'm not a CEO. If y'all think this church runs because of me, it would be ran into the ground. <laughs> there are so many pieces that are working, but I want to say this. There's not enough pieces that are working. And this is where this all ties in. You are so important, not, not even in the way that you give your, your time, talent, treasures, but just the way that you're available. Some, Sometimes, have, have you ever said this to yourself? I'm going to be at church Sunday because somebody needs me there. Not because I have to be there, not because I'm obligated, but I'm going to show up this coming Sunday because somebody there needs me. Have you, have you ever thought about that, that way? The reason I'm here today is because somebody here that I love needs me. Look around real quick. Just look, just look at each other real quick. Just kind of scan the room. Do you really feel that you need these people in this room? Do, do you actually believe that you need the people that are in this room? Or are they just part of your Sunday routine? And, and, and do you actually believe that the people in the room need you? Because if, if so, it changes the way we gather. It changes the way we worship. You know, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm weak, and I, I need you to sing while you're here. I, I don't need you just looking at the words. I need you to actually sing for me. I, I need encouragement from your singing out loud. So, sometimes, sometimes, I, Ty said it before. Ty, Ty says, sometimes when I'm singing, I don't care what you sound like. The fact that you're singing out encourages me. Because, because she needs you. She's, she's leading you into worship and you won't worship. I, w- I would love for us to actually believe that we, that we actually need each other and that this is not just a country club where we pay membership through our tithes and then we come and we just spectate and just watch everybody else who's here functioning saying, well, that's what we pay them for. I, w- I would pray we can move past that as a church family he says, God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member that lacks it, keep going, so that there may be no division in the body. In other words, this ministry can't look at another ministry, and, and we're not divided. We're equal. I try my hardest to acknowledge every single person that serves here individually to let them know, thank you for serving here. Thank you for feeling like God wants you here. And he says, um, but the members, he says, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So here's my, here's my last point right here. My last point is every, no, no member is neglected. So every member is needed. Every member is named. Every member is necessary. No member is neglected. Think about that. No member is neglected. God put this together so that no member should be neglected. The only way you should be neglected in a church is because of you. Because of you. Because of you saying, I'm not needed. Because of you saying, I'm not necessary. Because of you saying, I'm not named. That's the only way you should feel neglected. As far as the church... Think about this. Sometimes we walk into a new church, and you see a group of people gathered, and you call them a clique, right? And you point at that clique, and you talk about how that clique doesn't want you here, and that clique, uh, they're probably too good for you, and, and man, I wish, uh, you know, maybe they need to check themselves because they, they don't think, you know, that they need it. But when did that clique say any of that? When did they say any of that? Who, who said that? Did they say that? Did you actually go and talk to the clique and hear them say, we don't need you? No, you didn't. You said it. You told yourself you weren't needed. 
You told yourself you, won't nece- you weren't necessary. You told yourself you weren't named. You did that. What happens when instead you go in there and, and, and instead of judging whoever you see gathered or not gathered or with their resting face or any of that stuff that we talk about, right? Instead of judging those things, I said it right, right? Resting face, period, just face. All right. And instead of judging their faces, you went over and you actually introduced yourself. It's funny. One of the things my pastor told me when I started preaching in Exodus and Jeremiah God told both of them, do not look at their faces. Do not look at their faces. And he told me, as a preacher, don't look at their faces. Why? Let me tell you, white culture, (laughs) when I first started preaching in white context, I thought I was doing a bad job because most people were like, (laughs) and I got done with that sermon, I was like, this is why he said don't look at their faces because right now I think I'm a horrible preacher. You know, my, my context, they like, hey, man, pastor, do your thing. Th- our original context has changed, but our original context, they just looked at me like. <laughs> and, and if I can pick on my pops here, dad, Bill will go. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> he, he, he will go like this. And I'm like, I know I'm. I'm in my context, and that's why I start teaching Greek, because I'm like, I got to make sure I know what I'm talking about in case. No, but, but, as, as soon, but as soon as I start talking to Bill and talking to the rest of the family, they were like, thank you for the way you teach. I would have never known if I just judged off of what I saw and said, you know what, they don't need me here. You know what, they don't like me here. But this is what we do as people when we walk into a church we see a face, or we see a group, or we see something, and we tell ourselves, oh, they don't need me here, or they don't want me here. And it's like, no, we, we want you here. We just don't know how to work. We're working on our faces, you know what I mean? So, so no member is neglected, and this is where it all kind of um, buckles down to where we're at today. Uh, go back to that verse 20, 25, I think, is where I was at. Um, yeah, so that the members may have the same care for one another. In other words... I'm not going to care for one member over another. Um, All of you are necessary. This is so important because people think if I don't give the same way that somebody down here gives, the pastor's not going to spend no time with me the way he spent. No, that's not how we do it here. I don't even know what you give for that reason alone so that everybody gets the same care and the same attention. Some people think, oh, if I'm not serving at the level or in the ministry that so-and-so serves at, then the pastor won't spend as much time. That's not how it works. And in fact, that's how it should be for everybody. Um, Don't just check in on me. Check in on each other. Once again, I thank you. But trust me when I say, if I need you, I will tell you. (laughs) Check in on each other because there's somebody else who doesn't have the courage to tell you, I need you. That's the one who needs you more. Because I have the personality, I'm going to tell you that I need you when I need you. And then finally, um, verse 26, it says, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, and if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So the way I taught this, I I wanna speak to first a, um, a teaching that I disagree with, and I want to explain it from here. So some people take this verse, and this is where they teach something we call the local church-only view. Um, They'll say, how can you suffer with somebody who is in Australia who's hurting, right? And therefore, the church is only the people who are here gathered together. However, that word suffer, there's more than just a painful suffering. If, If any church in this parameter right now if their pastor went and had some crazy scandal, we're going to suffer for it as well. Because, because they're going to look at the church, everybody. They're going to say, oh, that's them church folks for you. If, 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 somebody, if somebody in, I was about to say Pluto, that doesn't even make sense. If somebody, <laughs> if somebody in California, um, pastor, you know, had a scandal of a million dollars, right? Like, like just stole a million dollars from the church that they were pastoring and tried to get away with it and got caught. And we don't even know that church. We don't even know that pastor. We don't even know if they believe what we believe. Guess what? Everybody that you know that's not a believer is going to say, see, that's why I don't go to church. That's why I don't believe in your God. That's why. So it's, if one member anywhere suffers, 
or does something that brings negative attention. We all suffer. And even the guy that just lost his life over with the, in, the Indian uh, culture of people, right? Uh, whether you agree with how he went about it or not, the fact when you found out he was just trying to reach them for God, I, I suffered. I, I don't know that guy. I don't know his approach. I don't know any of that. I, and I still hurt for him because he was doing it for the same reason I do what I'm doing right now. So, so you suffer. And on the flip side, if one member is honored, then we all rejoice with it. Like, this is to protect from doing the whole church on a rock versus insert church. It doesn't matter. If a church has 5,000 or 20, I'm rejoicing that they're gathering, period. I don't care what they're doing that we're not doing or what we're doing that they're not doing because if, if God is being glorified, I glorify, you know, I, I praise him for that in general. So this, once again, he's, this entire letter, he's teaching against divisions. And he's trying to show you, regardless of your ministry, we don't have to be divided. Uh, regardless of how you feel about your ministry, we don't have to be divided. We're all necessary. We're all needed. We're all named. Is, is that vital? Is that important? And, and nobody should feel neglected. So what happens is... Um, Right now, we have locally, because there is still a local context to this, we have a sister in Christ um, named Judy Tucker, who lost her husband yesterday, Phil Tucker, who was our men's ministry leader, and he was our um, hospitality leader. Can you put his picture up for those who may not know him? This is Phil Tucker. Um, So, uh, here we go again. So, Phil... um, Phil, let me just give you, so for some of you may not know Phil because, we, you know, we got people new who are joining us and all this stuff. <laughs> I used to call Phil the purity police. <laughs> Phil was all about truth. We would argue because I'd be like, grace. <laughs> He's like, truth. And I'm too far grace. Phil was way too far truth. <laughs> and we balanced each other because <laughs> I'm like, give him another chance. He's like, No. <laughs> And then he's like, do this. And I'm like, no, but, but this is what you'll find out. If you only met Phil from a couple of words or a couple of posts or something, you may have thought Phil was some hard-nosed, uh, Bible-thumping, um, mean Christian. And I'm here to tell you it's the complete opposite. Phil Tucker uh, was a man of God who hurt for this church family so much that he wasn't worried about how you felt about him if it led you to Christ. Um, Phil, I was told earlier, Phil said, I'm not worried about how many friends I have as long as I got six people to carry me home. He, uh, he would, this is, this is why this message is so important, because when I, when I get to heaven and see Phil, he's going to say, did you, did you use what happened to me to spread the gospel? Because that's all, that's all that mattered to him. That's all that mattered to Phil. So when you, look at, when you look at this passage that we're in, let me tell you, me and Phil, we met um, two Easter's ago. He came in here for the first time. Corey had posted a video of me rapping. And Phil said, I will never attend a church where the pastor raps. <laughs> That's what Phil said. He said, I will never attend a church where the pastor raps. And then he came in here th- that following Easter. Um, from that moment, we start meeting. We would meet every Saturday with rice cakes, peanut butter, and raisins. Don't ask. I have no clue. But rice cakes with peanut butter spread on it and raisins. I was like, this is so not me, but whatever. If this is where you're at, I'm going to meet you where you're at. And we would debate. He would tell me everything about Church on the Rock that he struggled with. Man, I don't like this, I don't like this, like this, like this. He would just complain about the things that he didn't like about Church on the Rock. So at some point, I was like, well, then why are you here? (laughs) I was like, why are you here? He said, because God put me there. And some of you may feel the same way. You got a lot of things you don't like about Church on the Rock. But this is where it was different for Phil. He said, but God put me here. It's not about what I like, not about my preferences. He put me here. So, so, so I start asking, okay, so what is the big problem? He's like, man, the man's ministry should be stronger. It should be more, we should gather more often. I said, why don't you do it? And he's like, yeah. I mean, 
He's like, I'm a leader. I like to tell people what to do. And, you know what I mean? and he's like, I'm going to do that. So he didn't just complain. When we gave him the option to do something about it, he saw a need and said, well, then maybe that's why God has me here. He, started, he, he took over our men's ministry, and he named it my brother's keeper. He named it my brother's keeper. And those of you who have been to those M3 meetings, those of you who have been to those breakfasts, all feel cared about was us learning more about Christ and loving each other for moments like this. To, to take care of our brother's wife. Uh, I don't know who was with me, but it was me, it was Phil, it was Ben, it was Vince Urbanzik. I think Lewis was with us, but we, we had an um, a M3 meeting, our midweek meeting at El Toro one day. And we were talking about what would happen if any of us left. And Phil said, I just want to know that my brothers would take care of my wife. That's all he said. I just want to know my brothers would take care of my wife. And Phil, if Phil this is what Phil was about. He, his biggest gripe about Church on the Rock, he said, for all the things God is doing here, why aren't more people involved? That was his gripe. He, he said, I'm just going to be honest, because that's what Phil would say. He said, just be blunt. <laughs> he said, why will you not stand at a door and at least say hi to people? Maybe you don't know your gift, and you're not, but you can't just hand out a bulletin for people, because he was over hospitality. He said, you can't just stand behind that little, di- I don't see why. He said, we should be overflowing with people who want to serve, at least in that ministry. He said, I shouldn't have to struggle to get people to want to serve each other and to smile at each other and to say good morning to each other. Why, why, why is that a struggle? And I said, Phil, welcome to ministry. <laughs> but this, is, this would have been a sermon that he would have been right there saying, amen. Yeah. And then he would have told me how to, he gave me a big, he would have gave me a big hug and said, that's truth. And I would say, with grace. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're celebrating, Phil. The reality is this. Um, because of the way he lived his life and the fruit that he bared, we know without a shadow of a doubt where Phil is at. There's many times that you're dealing with the death, especially as a pastor that does funerals often, that you can't preach somebody into heaven. You can't. You can't tell somebody. You can't tell a family they're going to heaven when everything showed evidence they're not, so you just, you're quiet on it. But then there's men like Phil Tucker, who no matter how you felt about him, you knew one thing. You may have been like, man, he's tough, or he's rough around the edges, or he's hard on me, but you know where he's going. (laughs) You know where he's going. So this is what he would say to me if he was talking to me right now. Did you use my loss to birth others? Did you use my death to birth others. Not just new believers, but recommitted believers. Because if there is anything that sums up Phil Tucker, it's commitment. I was talking to Jason Shipley earlier. He said, man, Phil would text me and say, are you in or are you out? Just like that. And Jason Shipley would be like, in or out of what? (laughs) But that's what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about a specific event, a specific meeting or anything. He's like, are you in with the body or are you out? Just like that. And it's such a simple message, right? So um, as we prepare to close this out, I think that's the best question to ask everybody here. Whether it's at Church on the Rock or somewhere else, are you in? Or are you out? Are are you in? Are you really ready to partner in with a family so that we can be there for each other in in the toughest times? Or are you out? Um, And that's what makes the, the Bible and the gospel so beautiful. Jesus was all in for you. Jesus, he, he got to that garden and he was scared and I ain't going to say scared, but he was, he was wrestling and father, is there any 
other way. But, but if not, I'm all in. Some of you struggle with people and all that, and, and you may say to God, Father, is there any other way other than attending a church with people? <laughs> and he goes, no. <laughs> this is it. This is what I died so you could have this. Because, because if, if for anything else, at some point, the ones that you love are going to need somebody, and that's who we are for you. I'm all in. I'm praying that you are too. We're going to sing a song called Simplicity, and I want you to listen to the words because in moments like this, this is when we start challenging and questioning our faith. We start saying things like, like um, why would something so bad happen to somebody so good? But let me tell you, because of the cross, because of what we believe in Christ, something so great <laughs> has happened to someone so good. He is with the Father. And selfishly, selfishly, I want him here. I, I want to tease him about the bears. I want to talk to him about how he wouldn't be able to guard me on the court and all this stuff that we used to run our mouths about. But when I step away, I want him to be exactly where he's at. And you know what? When I drove Judy home yesterday, she said the exact same thing. So as we sing these words, think about it. You're the reason I sing, right? I'm so grateful to God that I can sing in a moment where most wouldn't want to utter any words. You see, this is what makes us look different than the world right here. This is, this is the biggest separator between us and the world. We look at death as a grace that allows us into his presence. The world sees death as something final. There's somebody in here right now who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. There's somebody right now in this room who doesn't believe in the resurrection. Believers, this is your moment to minister. Stand up with us and sing how I love you. Why? Because your death is the reason I'm gonna see my brother Phil Tucker again. I'm asking you to join us and, and embrace this moment right now.
as we get ready to close out, <clears throat> just um, take some time to get to know somebody in here you don't know. Just tell them you love them. Um, embrace each other. You know, life is so fragile, you know. Um, and, and just go make a difference in somebody's life. That's Phil passed serving somebody else. That's what he was doing. He passed serving someone else. Not on a Sunday, on a Saturday. He passed doing what he knew he was gifted to do for somebody else. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to finish with amazing grace. I, I thank you for your patience through this service. Um, I'm just trying to find words right now. Um, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for just the way you have been present. The Bible says, Father, you, you are the God of all comfort who comforts us with the comfort that only you can give, and that you give us that comfort, Father, so that we can comfort others. So you literally bless us with comfort only so that we can use it for others. Father, I'm asking for that supernatural comfort in this moment because there are others, um, not just in this church, Father, but in the Pittsburgh community specifically and in the Tucker household specifically, Father, who are going to need us to, to man up and just be available for, for comforting, if anything else. Father, may we, may we see the reason Phil was so urgent, so urgent, sometimes bullheaded, Father, about the gospel. He knew nothing was promised. Father, I never forget talking to him after the heart attack, Father, and he said the reason you kept him there was to go hard for him. And he changed so much in that moment to just sell out for you. Father, may we have that same mentality for each other and for the world. You even used him to bring a long, a longtime friend into your presence, Father. And <laughs> wow. So we thank you for your amazing grace, Father. We thank you for the privilege to know this man. We thank you for his heart that even when he struggled to be here, he knew you wanted him here. And that's why we are shedding tears over him, because he made an impact on this church family. He made an impact on this community. And we know we were loved by Big Tuck. Father, he was always excited to tell the church, welcome the church on the biggest rock. <laughs> you are the biggest rock, and may we sit on you, may we lean on you, may we stand on you as our foundation in this upcoming week, and may we be the rock for Judy as she goes through a new chapter in life. We thank you once again for your amazing grace. We thank you for putting a body together that can lean on each other, that can suffer together, but that can also rejoice, Father, Rejoice that you have brought him home. May we do everything we can in our power to remind others of that. It's in your precious son, Jesus Christ, that we pray.
Amen. Thank you for taking the time to join us on this podcast from Church on the Rock here in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you would like any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.